0: Welcome welcome to Know Your Roles, a twice-a-month podcast that makes connections across all your favorite mixed media, film, television, music, literature, sports, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Kleiman, and this is my co-host, Mr. George Connie Payton Gordon III.
1: <laughs>
0: Take it away, George.
1: Thank you, Dave. Dave, on those, the show tonight, we've got a uh, bassoonist educator, performer, and all-around badass Rebecca Heller, and we're going to be talking about instruments and destinations. But before we get into that, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. As
0: I mentioned on the previous show, we we took a, a small little vacation to the Poconos, which uh, was very nice and relaxing. Also, we rode ATVs, which is something I never have done before, and uh, I loved every second of it. <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot. Like, you know, my want normally if I want to do something adventurous is like jump off a cliff or like go zip lining or some shit like that, or like go on, go on like a canoe trip or some shit like that. But, uh, I just never been like, Ooh, let me do ATVs. And it was awesome. A bunch of city Jews on ATVs coming. Watch out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely like, definitely different than what I'm used to. Cause I, (laughs) I think ATV, I think of like, uh, a beat away from deliverance yeah
0: <laughs> i was uh, i was hitting those turns
1: man. did you pick up a southern accent while you were doing it too like-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was shotgunning a beer and shit fucking <laughs> <Spunking> a cigarette <laughs> getting a
1: dui yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah it sounds about right that was uh, a fun time but uh anyway how are you doing george what's been going on with you
1: i'm good a smidge a smidge hungover like just a touch. Went to a comedy show. So in the past two weeks, I've been I, I'm I guess I'm all the way back. I don't know if people are all the way back, but I've been to a been to a comedy show. I saw the Mets play and I went to a concert. So it's it's like New York City may not be all the way back, but I'm all the way back. So <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I went to a comedy show last night, saw some comedians, tell jokes, it's a lot of fun. Shout out to comedians you should know at the gutter where I bowl. Yeah, I'm great. Stand up is back version of it yes
0: (laughs) yeah i just like declaring things are back well what do you say we open up this bar what do we got going on on bar talk today george
1: we're going to talk about a couple things that i've kind of enjoyed and then like one thing i'm gonna let you kind of go off of but we're gonna be talking about the olympics the the euros the championship which is like the finals is this sunday if you're hearing this and uh weekly and record sleeves we both got a bunch of books and a bunch of records recently so we're gonna be talking about that so The Olympics. I don't fuck with the Olympics like that. Uh, Usually, large groups of people chanting USA has always turned me off. So (laughs) so I'm just like, it's not really my thing. But you like the Olympics, so I'm going to let you go ahead and go take it over. So go ahead, Dave.
0: Well, I... Completely agree with you on on uh, your first point there. No, but like it stinks, man, because I love the competition of the Olympics, people at the pinnacle of their sport competing. There's always a lot of great moments. But yeah, there's so much there's so much bullshit. Going on with this uh, current iteration of the Olympics that's happening in Tokyo in just uh, you know a couple of weeks here. Honestly, it's always kind of a problem for like cities and stuff that host it. It takes cities something like thirty years to pay off the debt that they accrue from hosting the fucking Olympics, and not to mention take countries like Brazil who also had the World Cup in like the same you know one or two year period. So they built a fucking stadium in the middle of the Amazon rainforest that just sits there. It's insane. So yeah, so many problems uh, with the Olympics. I'm sure a lot of people have been following the situation with Shakari Richardson, who's been, you know, well-documented how she is not allowed to race in the upcoming Olympics because of a positive marijuana test, which is bullshit, another arbitrary rule. And they also banned swim caps that were made by Black designers for Black women with dreadlocks and hair that other swim caps weren't designed for. Um, the regulation swim caps that they have, and then them barring five distance runners for testing at a level of natural testosterone that they deem to be unfair (laughs) um another arbitrary rule so yeah the olympics is a is a whirlpool of of shit right now but uh it's it's happening today they announced that there were going to be no fans because japan that's another thing like oh my god i mean there's so many things to unpack um we won't get into it all but like yeah Seems like there's going to be a lot of shine on a turd in a couple of weeks. Here, we're going to all be seeing uh, sappy stories about people overcoming and whatever to take our minds off of everything I just mentioned. But anyway, does that get you excited, George? You excited to watch?
1: <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way, that sound it makes it sound incredible. No, I mean I've never been like much of the much of the Olympics. Like I like usually if, uh, the the basketball team, the Olympic basketball team. I usually root against. Like I like the field. <laughs> they get the opportunity to see some foreign players that, that I was like, I don't get to watch them. Like, all right, I'm rooting for the field. Um, uh,
0: and it's not that fun to watch teams lose by 50 points.
1: Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, so I, I don't really. I, boxing used to be dope, but now it's kind of it's weird. The scoring's weird. It's only like three rounds or five rounds or whatever. And uh, everything else, track and field. I guess. No, nah, I'm not in the Olympics. So really, no, no. It's like, mm,
0: it's like yeah, fair enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like I, I, I need, I need stories. And uh, like if there was like a like a an ESPN or HBO, like 24 hour thing, like like I like F1 racing, Formula One racing because they did that Netflix show about them, And now I have a reason to care about these people. But if I don't, I, I you, you just you just showing up every four years don't really do it for me.
0: I mean, but that is like what half of the Olympic broadcast is, but it's just like NBC. So it's over. It's super like ridiculous and over the top.
1: No, no, no. You got to You got to You got to come with me, Come with it like a six <laughs> months beforehand. It's like, oh, that person I was watching on TV is going to be competing. Yeah, hell yeah. Now I'm going to watch it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll take the L.
0: Yeah. <laughs> someday <laughs> someday we'll have you watching the world championships and everything. No. We'll get you, we'll get you engaged. <laughs> all
1: right. Maybe not. Uh, all right. What's next? Uh, we're going to talk about the Euros, which I've been watching all week and I've been thoroughly enjoying. And the finals is on Sunday. and It is England versus Italy. Which is gonna? It's three o'clock. I can't wait. I'm uh. I'm gonna pull. the team that the, the squad I was pulling for was the Netherlands. I like their uniforms, and they have uh. I and they have black players. Like I'm gonna root, like if I'm gonna root for a team, it's good. you gotta have like a couple players who look like me, or at least get to have the same haircut as me. So uh, yeah. So Netherlands was my squad, and they famously failed again. Come on, the Netherlands. Uh. So I'm. I'm actually. I guess I'm gonna root for England. There's a dude on England whose uh, whose look and face and build looks like he's a villain. What did I say in a, in a John Le Carre novel? His name is yeah. Harry Maguire. He looks like somebody that you do not want to mess with. And I just, yeah. I just, I can't stop looking at this dude. It's like that dude looks like he's about to whoop somebody's ass. <laughs> he's like six foot four. He's, he's like big old fucking. Pumpkin pie head. I was like, this guy looks <laughs> tough. And so I'm uh, pulling for England. What about you? And
0: their best player is named Harry Kane, which could be like yeah, the yeah. title of like a Michael Kane movie from like the 70s. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: he, he That just got some sweet, sweet. it has got a sweet beard. <laughs> uh,
0: it's been exciting. I, I've watched as much as I, I, I was. I've been around for. Uh, I mean, I think that. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna make some of my UK friends unhappy here, but I, I think that Italy is probably gonna win they're they're the favorite but uh yeah it's been probably it's been exciting that that i said to you over text because i was kind of watching it while i was at work it was mm-hmm. it was fairly slow because it was 95 degrees outside i i kind of missed that penalty call but it it didn't it didn't look like didn't look like that much of a penalty
1: they could have gone it could have gone either way yeah is one of those things where like uh the a uh, shout out to the, the dude from denmark and that goalkeeper who was nice that guy is good. So uh yeah,
0: it's too bad though that on that he, he blew it on that
1: on the he stopped it, he just happened to like didn't He's, catch it. Yeah,
0: he didn't catch <laughs> it Like you gotta he do both. It. You gotta yeah. squeeze and he squeezed it too. And it, oh that yeah, was he
1: stopped it. He just didn't catch it. Yeah, and that then, was like, heartbreaking for them. Also, like uh the the rest of those guys on the team just sort of just standing around watching it. There's like I don't know, it was it, it was a weird play. Yeah. Uh but uh England won uh the and uh, I, I've been enjoying it. So I'm pulling for England. Nice. The only time I will ever pull for England. Yeah. <laughs> Just oh, so yeah. you know, everybody. But they have black players. So I'm real England.
0: They're like one of those teams that like people from England, like, you know, worship them. Um, but uh, a lot of people, a lot of other people around the world don't love them. <laughs> uh, for for many reasons. One being that their major chant is called It's Coming Home, which is like they think that they should win every major tournament. And
1: they usually don't. Then one is the sixty seven. Take it easy.
0: Anyway, wh- how about we round out bar talk? What's our last topic on on tap here, George? We're
1: gonna talk about what we're reading and what we're listening to. Um, uh, I uh, my birthday was a few weeks ago, but in that time, I've gotten three books that I want to shout out, and those people who have gotten them for me. Well, actually, two of them I bought. I one was for my birthday. The first one is uh, "Made Men" by Glenn Kenny. I got that a few weeks ago. It is about the story of Goodfellas. And it's sort of like the, the backstory story of, of uh, the, the making of the movie. And it, sh- it came out last year. And I've been thoroughly enjoying that. Some interesting stories about Goodfellas. One of them that the studio wanted Tom Cruise and Madonna to play Karen and Henry Hill. That's bizarre. But it's peak Tom Cruise. It's kind of, he's like popular. Whatever. I don't know. Um, uh, the third one, uh, the second one I got, it was uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. I haven't started reading this yet. It came in the mail yesterday. But I've been listening to Quentin Tarantino on podcasts the past few weeks. And the book is a novelization of the movie, which I thoroughly enjoyed. So I'm looking forward to that. And then for my birthday, I got this book by uh, Sarah Smarsh. She Come By Natural, which is a book about Dolly Parton and the women who lived her songs. So shout out to Julie Oaks for this Dolly Parton book that I'm looking forward to reading. And as far as records, what goes, I got this Mungo Jerry record. <laughs> And the summertime guy is awesome. <laughs> that song. Oh, my God. It's awesome. Like, There's nothing there's nothing on that on the record in which you're like, this is the end. Like, no, it's I was like this. Wow. This dude's badass. So shout out to Mungo Jerry. <laughs> still doing his thing. Oh, God. And then I also got a Feist record. Uh, Feist is one of the best. And then I got a uh, I got the butt by EU. I was watching uh, <laughs> watching the TV. See, one of the perks of being able to have cable is I can just flip through the channels. The school days was odd and I hadn't seen school days in about 20 years and that's a very underrated spike lee film anyway it's like a musical
0: 100%. it's incredible and there's a there's an
1: eu there's there, if you forget that do the butt and by eu is in the yeah. movie and they perform it and i bought the record right there and it came in the mail so shout out to me what about you
0: yeah i got a, a bunch of stuff uh in the mail today actually from like gift cards that i use for my birthday <laughs> um and I, I got a record, the classic Demon Days by the Gorillas, which I, I put on earlier. Sounds great. I'm getting I'm excited to add that into the collection. Yeah, Mungo Jerry. Like that I watched that video once. Like it's 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 what it's video rough. Mungo Jerry. This for the his one like summertime. Like that's dude, awesome. This
1: this boot power record is fucking awesome. <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll I'll take your word for it. I was um, like,
1: holy shit, this dude is dope.
0: <laughs> that
1: name though, Oof. yeah. If I find out what it's from. It's from a book. Yeah, Public, like, get a publicist or something.
0: Um, but uh, anyway, and I'm reading this book by this guy Ayad Akhtar that my mom got me actually for my birthday. Um, that she loved. It's called Homeland Elegies. It's a novel, but it's really, really interesting. I'm like about halfway through and he is a Muslim American writer. He was born in Wisconsin. His parents are from Pakistan and this is a novel, but it's like almost historical fiction, almost autobiography. Like it's really close to a lot of his experiences. And it's just kind of like about being Muslim in the U S and it's really interesting. And yeah, I'm into it so far. So yeah, that's all the, the stuff I've gotten recently. I mean, you that was a lot of stuff you just got. You got a lot of work to do.
1: When you're single and you live alone and you have nowhere to be, you just buy dumb shit.
0: So <laughs> fair enough. Even when you're not single, you also buy dumb shit. So
1: yeah, it's like it's <laughs> it's different when you're single. Fair, fair enough.
0: All right. Well, I think uh I think that'll do it for bar talk.
1: Absolutely. I think we're all tapped out.
0: Cool. Let's go sit down with Rebecca. Hi. Yo.
2: Yo. Hello. Hello. How's it going?
0: All right. How are you doing? What's going on?
2: It's really hot. It's just like sitting in a pool of my own sweat. I turn off the AC because it's really loud.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate, we all appreciate your dedication. And I can tell you that I am also, I also turn off my AC when I do this and it's so hot.
2: It's so <laughs> fine.
0: um yeah i will introduce you around the uh digital room here um george gordon up there and my co-host hello and mary bess our wonderful producer
2: nice to meet you mary bess
3: hi rebecca so nice to meet you thank you so much for hanging out with us today
2: that's really my pleasure i get to hang out with dave sometimes at eastwood and way back in the day at mayfield but it's awesome to meet you all yeah
0: I, I was telling these guys that uh, you are like one of the very, very few people that this has ever happened with. And you're probably the only person I've developed like an actual real relationship with um, after, which is. Uh,
2: Bartenders are people too. Imagine <laughs> that. I know.
0: Well, I, th- that's why we love, that's why I love you that you have that attitude.
2: I used to be one. Um, so yeah,
0: well.
2: <laughs> always and forever.
0: You, I served you at a restaurant one night. And, and like met you, you were I believe friends with, with the the owners. And then the very next night I was at a different restaurant in a totally different borough and you walked in and I was like, wait, what? Like, didn't we do this already? Um, yeah of all of the
3: restaurants and all of the boroughs she walks into mine
2: twice man it was like at this time where i was dating my boyfriend who's now my husband and i lived in crown heights and he lived on the lower east side so like those are my two spots and you came with both of them so it was was meant to be
0: kismet (laughs) um well anyway thank you so much for doing it uh you know it's nice I, I am lucky that I get to hang out with you in real life also. Likewise. So,
2: um,
0: but, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we'll just, uh, we got a lot to cover and, and a fun game. So,
2: uh. excited. I'm a fan. I'm, I've been <laughs> listening to your podcast. I like it a lot. It's so great to hear like two dudes hanging out and a, an awesome producer, very Bass, who isn't, aren't like, you know, just sort of raging in this like misogynist and like, problematic way
1: so i appreciate y'all for that oh thank you for listening that's that's yeah, major thank you we,
2: we like to cultivate yeah. a an environment
3: of inclusivity and fun your favorite bar topics with your favorite bartenders Best. who who are actually like pretty nice people i mean i like them okay
0: <laughs> they're all right but uh yeah i guess we'll just go ahead and get started i, w- I would i wanted to talk to you about you know, just your last like year and a half. I know you as someone who works a lot um, uh, playing bassoon and also teaching and you perform a lot and I, you travel a lot. So I'm sure this year was, you know, definitely difficult, but I know that you were able to like, kind of keep, you still did some performances. And so I'd love to hear you, you know, share, share some of that with us.
2: Yeah, this year was wild. Like, I feel really fortunate that I was in a position where not a lot of like freelance artists in New York are who like had no support this year and had no income because they weren't playing concerts and like that's been super problematic and really shown a light on what a kind of a social safety net we lack in this country for artists. But anyway, I was up until just under a year ago working full time for my band, which is International Contemporary Ensemble. And we're like 40 people. We tour all over the world, but we do like small modular things. We could be two people or 10 people or five people. And basically the deal is that we we make new work with creators side by side. Um, so kind of turning away from the like, so-called classical model of like you play a piece somebody writes a piece and then you play it but like sort of everyone being involved in the creation of experimentation of new work but I I had been working several years and I was artistic director and so my job was full-time it was like every day and so not only was I like fundraising for and curating and running the organization but I was playing like uh, 60 concerts a year um, oh, wow. and that was a scale back for more like 110 before that. Uh, <laughs> so I was on the road a lot and just like, I was just like toast. And so I decided to like leave that part of my job behind last September. And so for me, honestly, I was ready for a break and it came at the right time. And I was, I kind of hermited up and I, I have to say, like, I don't miss it. Like I needed some time to just be and to process. And I was so lucky enough that, like, that I could do that and, you know, survive. And yeah, I've just been kind of thinking about what's next and trying to be slow and not throw myself into this, this next thing, which I've done my whole career for the last 20 plus years.
0: Yeah. Do you think that, I mean, that's, it comes from the, just like, the feeling of like, you can't stop, like you can't say no to like artists, like new projects and new things.
2: I mean, I think that happens in a lot of fields where there's this fear that you'll become irrelevant if you're not constantly putting out new work or putting out another album or like being on the road. Um, and I think, you know, I think it happens, it happens for everyone, but especially artistically, there's this fear of sort of like fading away or becoming irrelevant and it's also financially motivated. I mean, I always was just like hustling because <laughs> yeah. that's what you do. Like that's how you survive. And when I was working for, for international contemporary ensemble, it was just like, it's a t- kind of 24 seven gig. So I was just like in it. And I was like, this is my life. This is everything. So I think now I, I am, I have the luxury of being like, well, what do I want my life to be? What kind of artist do I want to be? Like, what does that look like? What kind of music do I want to make? Who do I want to play with? What do I want to do next? Like, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Actually, I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm also kind of taking a break.
1: So I've been listening to your music, uh, your two albums that are on Spotify. And, uh, I watched one of your videos. Uh, you were wearing these pretty dope shoes. We're gonna get into that in just a second. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh one of the videos I watched, yeah, I the, 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 shoe, the shoe game, I was like, oh my goodness. Those are dope. But one of the videos you had like you have like these flashing lights and it's like elements of like almost electronica. Is there something is like is there a genre that you like enjoy playing over another? Because it was it was a, it was kind of cool to watch that.
2: Oh, my God. I love that piece. That's like my favorite piece. It's uh, written by like a college friend named Mario Diaz de Leon. And he is a metal head like he's in metal bands. That's his vibe. He's also a composer and I wanted to work with him for so long. And finally we, we got a chance to work together and he made this piece and it's basically a duet for bassoon and synth or like a battle, like a bassoon and synth battle. And he built a light show to like go along with it. And I have to say, like, it really kind of makes me feel like a rock star. I think a lot, a lot of people in my field are like, really wish they played the guitar or like had a sexier, uh, you know, more (laughs) accessible genre yeah. um and so that piece really makes me feel amazing so yeah I would say that like getting to play with electronics getting to be super amplified and playing really loud like I that is definitely something that I gravitate towards not all my work but it's definitely something that I really 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 enjoy
1: yeah I, I was kind of blown away I was like holy shit that's insane <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, like the, really at least funny. it's like you were saying, that, like the the you made it the, the bassoon look cool when you were doing that piece. Is like, but so what? What what? What made you gravitate to that instrument to begin with, anyway? Oh my god, I
2: was just a weird kid, man. I was nine years old when I started playing the bassoon, which is really young. I couldn't even reach all the keys, but I came from a pretty musical family and no one's a professional musician, but everyone was like playing instruments. And I remember my mom just telling me all these stories about like everybody plays the flute. And I was like, that was so boring. Oh, and I was like, I want to play something that nobody else plays. <laughs> And she introduced me to the oboe and the bassoon and I didn't know what they were and I came from a super, super, super small town in Adirondacks. and they, they, my best friend wanted to play the oboe and I was like, I'll take the the big one. I have no idea. And I remember my band director was like, what? He went to do a closet and got some instrument that must have been since World War II and he like had to blow the dust off the top of it. <laughs> Hadn't been touched in like 20 years. It smelled so disgusting. And there was like a, plastic read inside I remember my mother and I took us like 45 minutes to figure out how to put it together because this is before the internet or anything like that and we're just like well I think this one goes here and this and I put it together and I like put that read on I was like everything buzzed it was so loud and I'd say later right I had a little lamb and I was like this is awesome uh yeah and then I was just I was just hooked I was like this is really fun
0: <laughs> that's awesome that's a great story um I was also curious about that too because like I I I was we were talking uh earlier that like I didn't even know bassoon could be like a featured solo instrument until I met you um and, and so like yeah. how did you like from from that early like gravitation towards the instrument how did you then like over these many years developed that style and even know mm. that that was like you know like i think i was t- i think i've read something about you being uh there labeled as like bassoon rock which again like i didn't know that that was a thing <laughs> you know but, i haven't
2: heard that but I love <laughs> but, it but like how does that how did you
0: like <laughs> develop that over time
2: yeah that's a great question you know when i was in school i went to like a super conservative conservatory like duh, 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 um and don't get me started. I call it the conservatory industrial <laughs> complex because it <laughs> teaches people how not to think for themselves. Uh, I guess a lot of schools do that. A lot of um,
0: institutions in general. But I,
2: Yeah, right. Um, so I was like, I don't know, what can I do? I guess you play an orchestra if you want to perform and make money. Like I didn't really know that that was an option either. And so I sort of started following this path. Um, and I did these sort of like training orchestras and I, then I started taking a million auditions all the time. And I suck at taking auditions. It sucks so hard. I like get so nervous. And it's such a different thing than actually just playing the instrument. It's like its own thing. And I'm just really bad. So I finally did get a job, though, in the Jacksonville Symphony in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was like, oh, wow. Guess I'm going to live in Florida now. Cool. Um, and I looked there for like six or seven months was like most of a season. And um, I was really grateful for that experience because I was like, you know, this is not really what I want to be when I grow up. This is not, this is not it. Um, And not that like playing an orchestra is awesome. Doing it once in a while is like super exciting and fun. But I was like, I'm a Leo at heart. Like I'm a ham. I like probably would have been an actress if I weren't a musician, you know, like I enjoy performing in a more intimate way for people so like smaller chamber music solo music was always my jam but I just didn't know how to do that and so around the time when I decided to leave the orchestra it kind of gave me this confidence to be like okay I don't care if I have to hustle or how broke I am this is this is not for me and around the same time like the International Contemporary Ensemble had started after college but I was like that's not for me and I had played with them a couple times and I was like this is really cool. You guys are doing something really interesting. This feels really vital. We're working with real living human beings. We're making new shit. Some of it's good. Some of it sucks. That's part of the process. And that was super cool to me. So I, I finally got the courage to like move to New York and had all these odd jobs. I couldn't even start waiting tables because I didn't know anyone New York. So I like answered this Craigslist ad for someone who needed like an intern to sell jewelry at Bendel's. <laughs> <laughs> it was $10 an hour. And I, I did this because when I lived in Chicago, I lived in Chicago for a couple of years. Um, I played an orchestra there. And I um I found this roommate who would barter for rent if I worked at her jewelry store. And it turns out I'm really good at selling stuff. So she ended up paying me to live there. <laughs> Anyway, I'm good at hustling. So (laughs) I answered this ad and within a week I had met all these other jewelry dealers at this place where they all hung out and I got offered another job. So I started working all the holiday markets and blah, blah, blah. And then I met enough people to like know someone who was in the restaurant business. And then I got into the restaurant business and I started waiting tables and bartending and all that. So for years and years and years, I I bartended and hustled as my career was building in New York. And I remember, I think this is like, until like 2011 or 12, when my first album came out, there was like a pretty big picture of me in the New York Times, like, a, and uh, my co- co-workers who didn't really know what I did, they were like, "Is that, is that you?" <laughs> in the New York Times? And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." they were like, "Why the fuck are you here?" And I was like, um, and "Unfortunately, that doesn't come with a big uh,
0: chat." Yeah. You know,
2: like, I yeah.
0: Anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, George and I know all about that. Like, it's it's easier to yeah, it's it's harder to put into practice than to like just because you get your first your first big thing doesn't necessarily mean like you can leave your day
1: job. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's yeah. for
1: sure. So you've put out two albums. Now that it's like you you kind of refocus your energy and what you want to do is like, is there like a an, another album on the horizon?
2: Ah, uh, oof. <laughs> That's a good question. I have a couple projects that I'm like super in love with right now, at least in the ideating stages. Um, one is this obsession with Bach, the Bach cello suites. <laughs> you know, you we've know, all heard that one. They sound so good on the bassoon, and they've never really been recorded, in in, in their entirety, and by a bassoonist. It's sort of my, um, it's my white whale. It might kill me, but I feel like I have to do it. Um and and then also have started composing and doing a lot more improvising and a lot more just like in the moment and um have a new collaborator, this amazing vocalist named Faye Victor, and we're starting a project together that's for sure gonna lead to an album. And um yeah, I'm excited to see like where that goes or what that is, but that's probably gonna be coming down the pipe somewhere.
0: Hell
1: yeah, let us know.
0: I will for sure. I want to backtrack a, a cup, a little bit to what you said, uh, something you said, uh, in one of your previous answers about like wanting to perform, uh, in like intimate spaces for people. Uh, you've had a couple of really, I, I always think it's cool. Like that. Like I, every time I see you, you're like, I just came back from this crazy cool place, playing this awesome music for these awesome people. Um, so I, I, one of the places that I don't, I'm, you were with with International Contemporary Ensemble. I'm not sure if it was just if it was a performance, but when you guys used to do something in Banff, the park in Canada, yeah, which to me sounded super cool. That's
2: amazing beautiful. Spot.
0: What was that was that a performance as well?
2: Well, there are a lot of performances, but our band we were basically at Banff to run a summer program called Ensemble Evolution, which still exists now. Um, now we're in partnership with the new schools. Unfortunately, we're no longer at Banff, but for a few years, 3 years in a row, we did 3 weeks out there, which is like
0: That's Yeah. I
2: mean, and you're just staying in this gorgeous place, like in the middle of the mountains, you like walk out your door so cool. and go on this crazy hike and you see elk and caribou and all sorts of other really tree things, bears.
0: That sounds awesome.
2: It was really amazing. Um, super intense energy there though. Like I didn't sleep at all. It's built on a mountain where like a lot of indigenous people were slaughtered and people like talk about them enough. And it's really, so it's kind of a heavy place too. Like I, I was so grateful to spend the time there. And I'm also like, okay, with not being
0: there every year now. <laughs> yeah. Well, national parks, I think we're just, a lot of us are just starting to kind of unpack, you know, a lot of it, Canada and in the US of, totally. uh, A lot, a lot of what you were mentioning. Um, but another performance I love to hear you talk about, which was recently, which I know you, you, uh, t- we talked about a little bit at the bar, but, um, the one-on-one performance that you did uh, mm. at the Navy Yards through PS1. Um, it was
2: um, Silk Road and Bam. Okay. Oh, Produced,
0: I'm sorry. Co-produced, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, you were basically just playing one to somebody.
2: audience member.
0: That's incredible.
2: It was just one room and you're like, probably chairs like 12 foot in front of you. And it was super industrial spaces. The first day I was in this huge warehouse, like enormous warehouse. Um, and it was freezing. It was like rainy day and there were all these birds in there too. I had no idea what to expect. I was so nervous. I hadn't performed for anyone in a really, really long time. I'd done some online performances, but they suck so hard because, you know, part of the beauty of performing is like, it's an energetic exchange. Mm-hmm. It's it's an active it's an act on both people's parts, right? A listener is as much a part of the performance and the process as someone who's performed. So it's like, it's that energy exchange, which I think is what makes it so powerful. And I I think it also put, when it's one-on-one, like it puts a lot of pressure on that listener too. Like you're the only one also holding that space. So I had a lot of like empathy and compassion for what that must be like. It's exciting, but I'm sure it's also like, there's a self-consciousness to that
0: intense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so I had a lot of really interesting experiences for that, but two, I will remember like forever and only one negative experience, which is crazy. So I did it two days. Some people did it more, but I, I was like, I don't know how intense this is going to be. So I'm going to start small. So I did six performances in a row, um, like 10-minute performances with breaks in between, so a couple hours um, each day. So I think I did a total of 12 mini concerts. Um, And there was this really beautiful, and you weren't supposed to speak. So it was designed so the person would come in and sit down, and then you'd look in each other's eyes. And that was really interesting because, I'm, I like to get really intense. I'll sit there and I'll just like, I'll go there. <laughs> it was really cool to see who was willing to go there and who was like, you know, kind of looking away and being really uncomfortable. And I'd hold the space for even longer if they were uncomfortable, because why not? Um, and then play something that's sort of inspired by them or, or the room. And then you had these little note cards that you write down what you played or who you are, whatever that your instrument was and um the the most amazing experience it was the last person which was really beautiful she came into the room and she was kind of fiddling I was a little, little, little annoyed like she's like putting her phone and taking up her range at and like kind of fiddling I was like okay come on man like we're waiting out there probably for a while so I was a little like she sat down and she was just like boo. she was really present you know you can just really feel when somebody's entered the space Uh and so we like just had this moment where we looked at each other for quite a long time and I just started playing and I could feel her the whole time just holding me as I was playing and it was like one of the most beautiful things I've experienced like I'm tearing up thinking about it because it was so powerful At the end, we just looked at each other again for like, no, no. At the end, I stopped and my eyes were still closed because I closed my eyes when I was playing. And my eyes were closed and I just held the space for probably a minute and a half, which is a really long time. And then we both started crying, just like out of nowhere. And then we looked at each other and we were just like, wow, we both said thank you. And I gave her my piece of paper and she went on her way. But I was like, wow, I imagine that that's, one of the reactions that people who designed this experience were hoping for, but it was really cathartic for me.
0: That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Yeah. It's just sound, I mean, I remember you posted something about it after that happened and, and we talked about it a little bit and it just sounds like just an incredible experience. I'm sure that's what they were hoping for, but like you only get that if the two people are really I mean, just being present, like you said, it's just, it's difficult for a lot of people, uh, for all people. Yeah. I was um, super
2: guarded because the woman before her was like the exact opposite. Um, She came into the room and was just like super distracted. And like, and then she was like, what am I supposed to do? And she wouldn't stop talking. And I just was like sitting there and I just invited her to sit down without talking. She was just like, well, what do I do now? And I played for her for like a little shorter than other people. And then <laughs> I, she was like, just sitting there staring at me. And I was like, that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And she was yeah. like, that's all. Where do I go? What
2: do I do? Blah. And like the usher from the wings never had to come out. Like the stage render had to come out and like take, I was like, help. help. And just came yeah. in and was like, just super entitled. And was like, what are you going to give to me? Like, what, how are you going to like entertain me? And I was just like, wow, that was dark. I felt like I needed an energy cleanse after she came in. So.
0: All the, all the better that, that last one was really, you know, the one of the more most impactful ones. Yeah, totally. I'd love to ask you uh, something we talked about a little bit, but about teaching. Cause I know that's something that you've done a lot with uh, international contemporary ensemble as well. And is that something you like are still doing and still want to do? What, what does that give to you that you, to, you know, that the performance aspect doesn't do for you?
2: Yeah. I had a complicated relationship to the idea of teaching for a really long time. I was like, I don't think I want to do it. I don't think I love it. And I had this sort of um, this idea in my head that um, first of all, there's, you know, it's really weird in our world. You like go, you get a PhD if you want to teach and that's what you do. And then you focus on that. And then that becomes your career from that. So I was like, or you teach on the side to like round out your career. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) Um, But I did start teaching two years ago. I was asked to join the faculty at the new school college of performing arts, man, school music in New York city. And I started teaching like private bassoon lessons, like studio, like I and uh, I was so blown away by how much it gave me, um, and how much I ended up really liking it. Um, so I'm also on the faculty in school, like lecturing, I'm doing a summer class this summer for graduate students who are like going out in the world and giving, like, we're talking about like your musical identity and how to talk about it and how to think about it and how to write about it and how to do practical stuff like fundraise around it. But yeah, I, I, I love, I actually love I love teaching and I love that um, especially because students these days, especially at the new school, who's like pretty progressive in how they focus their educational programs, all are really much like not believing in these really strict labels, mm-hmm. like I am just a performer, I'm just a composer. Like they're like, Yeah, I'm a performer and a composer and I'm a dancer and I'm a videographer and I make all this their content. And I feel like there's so much more openness and joy around like allowing themselves to be all of the things that they are. And if I can open the door or like give them tools to help them continue to be confident in that way, like that's, that's the main goal of that. And I end up learning like just as much, if not more as any of them. So I, I really think of it as like a, a bilateral situation, you know, even though the system is hierarchical, the more we can do to think of these situations as sort of like mutual environments, the better. And like, yeah, I I love it. I think it's I get a lot of joy out of it now.
1: And it's unexpected for me. Awesome. There's a lot of things you want to talk about, but there's, but there's a couple of things we definitely want to get to. And, uh, this, I don't mean to be jumping around, but there's like a new obsession that I've heard that you're into, which is cycling. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. You mentioned yeah. In, an, in an email, you were, that we talk about sports and I kind of wanted to reply and be like, we don't have to talk. It's fine. Like, it's totally fine with us if we don't talk sports at all. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear you talk.
2: Are you, do you guys watch cycling at all ever?
0: You know, I did like, I watched, I've seen the Tour de France a couple of times. And like in the Olympics, I've seen like, you know, the, what do they call it? What's the, the velodrome, like the, those races, yeah. but not, yeah. not like as an avid, not a super avid watching.
2: I mean, there's not a lot of opportunities, no. right. Apart from the Tour de France, like nothing's really televised yeah. nationally mm-hmm. in this country. Um, so it's kind of the only one and i it's really new to me, this obsession with like watching cycling and also cycling itself. So I am not an expert, but I like on a couch, semi expert, uh, <laughs> just wow. as of like the last two weeks, you know? <laughs> I'm like learning all the teams, but I started cycling like about a year ago, I bought my first bike. Well, my first like road bike, I, I used to commute on bikes all the time, just down to sunset park. From the lower east side until I got hit by a car on Fifth Avenue. Not fun, really, really scary. And then I was like, fuck this. And I'm sorry, I probably can't say that word. Yes, I?
0: of course. Uh, you okay. should say that. <laughs> we we say we yes, fuck this, fuck cool. that.
2: Okay. I don't know, you never know. So <laughs> I said, fuck this. Um, I I can't bike in Brooklyn anymore. Biking in Manhattan paradoxically is much safer or feels much safer because cars just go slower. There's more bike lane. Really? The truck. Oh my God. Yes. The trucks in Brooklyn are going so fast. They'll kill you in a second. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. Um, a lot more people get killed in the outer boroughs just because there's a lot less infrastructure, which is problematic. Um, so, in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. So we could we could talk about that
0: yeah, that's all day.
1: A, that's a div- yeah, we can yeah.
0: <laughs> it blew um, my
1: mind because I was always thinking that bike cycling in the in the city was like the majors and and then super easy. But I didn't realize
2: I thought so reverse. too until I moved here. And I was like, I city bike everywhere. That's how that's my main form of transportation. Um is city biking. And then of course I have my bike, which I don't like move on anymore. So I bought a bike, my husband was super into biking and he would go in these really and I was like that's great do your thing not for me but then you would start going on these the pandemic happened you start going in these really long bike rides and weekend telling me all about like this cool shitty scenes like way north and Jersey and like Rockham County and like Palisades Park and I was like this sounds really cool actually I need to get out of this neighborhood I need to get out of this house so I, I went to the bike shop, our little um, hilltop there, um, on uh, in the lower East side, and they were like, "We have literally one bike in your size, and it's the only one we're going to have for like the next six months. If you want it, you need to buy it right now." And I was like, "Oh." shit okay they're like this is not pressure sales <laughs> it's legit the truth and there was like a crazy bike shortage so i bought it and i love it it's perfect and i just started biking all the time all the time and then i started getting really into it got an indoor trainer i was doing that in the winter and then i followed this like bike brand called Ostroy because they had really cool outfits because it's all about the clothes like never forget it's all about the clothes <laughs> And so I followed them and I saw that they had started a new women's racing and development team. I was like, dope. And I I messaged them because I was like, wanted to get involved, but the other teams are like super intense. And you have to have all the stats, like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. So I messaged them on Instagram and they were like, great. You want to join? Cool. Here's the information. (laughs) Like, so I signed up and I met this like incredible community of cyclists. Like women, trans, non-binary cyclists, um, and I'm doing my first race on Sunday.
1: That's oh awesome. nice. <laughs> so
2: I got really, I got really into. It. I'm so competitive, and I've been athletic my whole life. I was a swimmer in high school. I almost like played water polo in college. Like I played tennis. Uh, I did like almost got into racing on inline skates like back in the early 2000s and now that's cool again so that's that's nice (laughs) so like I like it's so nice to have something like for years it was just like put into the work and blah 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 but like I'm not in a place where I'm competitive about my career anymore so it's nice to have that kind of the kind of something you know and like to also just to be in awesome shape after 40 feels like a win every day (laughs) (laughs) so I do my first race on Sunday and I am like newly obsessed with just watching cycling because I get it now and it's like the one sport I think it's really singular in that it's a team competition but it's also individual and there's all these crazy rules and dynamics and like so you have these guys who are like the team players that like just churn it out for like a hundred miles to like protect the sprinter. So he doesn't have to do any work. And then in the last like 20 minutes, you know, gets the gold or whatever. And I'm like, man, it's such a weird thing. And people are like, yeah, there's people who just mash it for the team. It is
0: such a weird thing because you're, yeah, you hit it right on the head. Like it's team, but it, it's totally individual and like those guys are just sacrificial lambs. Like yeah. protecting the person with like the most talent, I guess.
2: You know what they're called in France? <laughs> Domestiques, <laughs> which is the French word for servant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
2: <laughs> and they will actually like go to the helper of like the cars and then go back into the Peloton and like hand out water, like snacks. And shit like You can that. just
0: imagine those guys being like, I can't wait till the day that I'm I'm the guy everyone is protecting.
2: Some, really, I mean, there's gotta be an element
0: there. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we just like most of what I know about cycling is from like the Lance Armstrong era and like, you know, right. those guys, like after Lance left, like it was just a bunch of guys from his team coming up and then we would find out that they were also doping. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So uh, there is a show
2: that is super cool and kind of like outlines all these things in like a really dramatic reality show kind of way. It's called, it's about the Spanish team movie star and it's called the least expected day. And there's two seasons now that they like follow the racers in like the Giro d'Italia. And I think the tour de France in 2019, and it was like super exciting. And yeah, it's like a little, you should watch, just check it out because it kind of like helps understand what's going on why like and the dynamics you see they have headsets in and the guys in the cars like the coach are like they're like uh blah, 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 blah. they're like yelling at them all the time no go. no, go! like not go and just like incessantly it's crazy and you don't see any of that when you're just like watching on TV and you're like what are they doing and why and are they going uphill or downhill like you can't even tell with those fish I love those.
0: um the very last thing before we get into our game just while we're on this you had said in your in your email that this is the first the first time that there's a women Tour de France, is that?
2: Yeah, not this year, next, oh, next year. next year. It's so bullshit. There's, it's so, yeah, it's such bullshit. Most, most other major races at least have a short stage women's race, but not the Tour de France. And, you know, of course the organizers are super sexist and a guy was quoted in GQ like last week, just being like, oh, it's a simpler sport with the women, you know, and just such like just endless misogyny.
0: It's riding a bike
2: and they're like, they need smaller stages. And it's like, are you serious? You see these women, they're like world champions, like what they accomplish. Yeah. So there's been like a one day bullshit race for the past eight years or something. There used to be a tour, a three week tour in the eighties for five years, but they wouldn't publicize it or put any money behind it. And then they pulled it and said, it wasn't making enough money
0: of course that's like we've heard that like you hear yeah. that with the WNBA so it's like we they're not making any yeah. money it's like because you didn't put any money into it
2: like, yeah there's no investment yeah yeah so i think they're doing eight days which is a third of the time of the men's tour so it's still disappointing but at least it's something yeah um it'll be a good start and i think it's going to be super popular it's going to be televised i think they're not going to be able to justify not doing the longer one after next year hopefully yeah
0: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, that means uh you got a year. So uh we'll we'll expect yeah, to you see got- you.
1: <laughs> I was hoping for the announcement because we knew it was going to be 2022 and I was like Would yeah. you announce something for us. I was like oh, are you going to be cycling in the 2022 <laughs> Yeah
2: that's like that's like uh, you having like a like an after work like baseball game and then being like oh but next year i might be in the major leagues like the difference between me and those women is like about that big
0: <laughs> hey everybody can dream you know you know you never know i might still make the cubs who knows
2: you um know. i
0: doubt it no i won't i will. Def- <laughs> definitely won't
1: um, In a bowling league, and I think about being a professional bowler every day of my life. So <laughs> you never know, man. Yeah, j-
0: bowling is one. Of, it's not too late for you, George. It's oh. it's, it's too late.
2: <laughs> but that's a sport you can do into your what? Wow, you can be oh, an octogenarian and be like an amazing bowler. That's right? what I'm hoping for. <laughs> that's right. That's really why I went to biking because there's like people. There's amazing women, especially on this team. Selka, Sarah Chubb, she's in her 60s and she is like winning shit left and right and awesome. she's just so, like ripping it up. Yeah. So I was like okay. Because I also do Muay Thai and I was like thinking for a second about fighting and then I was like hmm, two concussions down already <laughs> and uh, not getting any younger. Yeah, It's not a sport you can age into. Yeah,
0: uh, that's competitive on a
1: different, a different I, level. I, just, so. I love that the thought process that so we're like yeah, sure, we're not.
2: <laughs> okay. yeah. I really thought about it. I trained at a gym where all these people fight. So I'm just like, of course, I'm like, how do we do that? I want to do that. It's like,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's get into our game. We're uh, we're gonna be talking about <laughs> instruments and destinations. Um I had a lot of fun actually writing this out. Uh so here at the No Your Rose Podcast, that's what we do is we take two things that seemingly have nothing to do with each other, and we try to make a connection to them. And for your episode, we're going to do instruments and destinations. We're going to each do five. I'm going to start off. My first instrument is my favorite instrument. It is the trombone, something I used to play.
3: I I, I,
1: I love it. Even when it's sad, I'm like, I still love it. If I'm going to compare it to destination being my favorite instrument, I'm going to compare it to my favorite destination, which is the great city of New Orleans. So trombones to New Orleans. That
2: makes sense to me. Yeah.
1: Um, well,
0: I'm going to go ahead and do my first one. That is going to be a, almost a mirror of what just George just said, but I was bending it slightly to be the entire brass section. Um, <laughs> and it's definitely going to be new Orleans. That was a place that I love so much that I considered moving there at one point, just like I would consider listening to nothing but brass for the rest of my life but then i realized that there's no way i could take that humidity and also like you need some like strings and like you woodwinds and stuff in <laughs> in there somewhere um eventually. Uh, so yeah, brass section is New Orleans. Also George and i were there for a wedding that was the hottest day ever recorded in October. It was a 100 degree wedding. It was in New Orleans. Oh my
2: god.
0: In suits. It was uh it was it was 20. yeah it was it was definitely i got
2: married in 107 degrees oh my god and 90 humidity in mexico the entire reception was in the pool though so it was fine
0: that's all Ooh. that's awesome
2: but it was very melty there's no real pictures this was just melty. <laughs> Everyone was melting.
0: yeah yeah george and i can relate <laughs> um all right you're uh
1: you're up next
2: okay so uh do you know what a theremin is oh
1: sure absolutely <laughs> yeah
2: (laughs) so i think a theremin is iceland because iceland is like visiting the moon right (laughs) it's like landscapes that you have never seen anywhere else and it's like really weird and um also very charming in its own way
1: yeah great answer (laughs)
0: <laughs> they also seem like play, both things I associate with like isolation somehow. <laughs> like just yeah. one person playing yeah. a theremin and it's like right. being very uh solo in Iceland. George. Woo!
1: Yeah. yeah, no, I, I I saw Fishbone in concert and they had a they had a theremin. It was pretty rad. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yes,
2: All the kids are digging them these they're, days. They're super... I love it. It's a resurgence. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh my next instrument is a, is a, is a sneaky cool instrument and i like it because whenever i see one i don't see it often i'm like oh shit there's a banjo in this band (laughs) oh man that is awesome sneaky cool so i'm a sneaky cool destination that i enjoy uh is louisville kentucky so the banjo is the louisville kentucky of instruments sneaky forget you're like oh shit i forgot about that
2: i like that like that a lot um
0: i've never been to louisville
1: it's a sneaky cool city. I have a
3: um, all
0: right. So my next instrument is the weirdest one I uh, came up with, and it's uh, something I didn't know existed until a few years ago, and that's the Evi, which is the it's an electronic valve instrument, and it like it looks. You probably have seen it before. Like it looks yeah. like a recorder almost. And it's got like, it's got three valves and you blow into it and it, and Uh. it's almost like a theremin. Like it, it produces a very bizarre, like vibrato sound. Um, uh, and I, I get sound effects going. Yeah, we (laughs) do. Um, um, I wish I could do it like you did the theremin, but I'm not even going to sense. Um, but, uh, it, it would be like, it's like what Skrillex sounds like basically, but, but, uh, um, no, the reason I learned about it is because the leader of Sun Ra's orchestra, Marshall Allen, plays, yes. plays an EVI. He's like a 90 year old dude and he plays like this crazy instrument. I've seen them live a couple of times. And I, like the first time I saw them, I did.
2: The bicycle of instruments. You can play it till the day. you yes.
0: die. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> it's so cool. And it's so bugged out and weird and it could only be one destination and that's outer space. It could only be yes. one place and space is the place, which is also I like the title that. of the Sun Ra uh, album. So <laughs> there you go.
2: Nice. Peeling it back aware. <laughs> okay, I have a couple, but let's see. Um, let's go with, let's talk about the flute for a second. The flute, people who play the flute are courageous z they're off their rocker even if they seem like one of the cool ones they're secretly like literally insane so i was like where is like the old like the original real housewives shot like i feel like it's an orange county (laughs) like super messy like five mimosas for lunch kind of vibe that that's i think that's uh and all like kind of paranoid and back stabby like that's i'm going deep yeah. uh, It's a hot take uh, but that's i'm sticking with nice
0: it. that uh that orchestra <laughs> those orchestra beefs those inner orchestra battles
2: and you have no idea 30 years is nothing <laughs> for them they will hold a grudge your chair was too
0: close <laughs> i can only imagine uh george
1: uh my next instrument is uh something that just makes me feel good and uh, the organ makes me feel good. Gospel music <laughs> yes. makes me feel good. And when I think of the organ itself, and like some of my favorite people who play this, I think of Booker T. And when I think of Booker T., I think of Memphis, Tennessee. But not just uh, not just Memphis itself. I'm talking about Stax. So my destination for this one is Stax, uh, the, the record label, the museum in Memphis, Tennessee. So the-
2: nice,
1: <laughs> awesome.
2: I
0: like that. All right. So my next one is basically, I didn't pin it down to one instrument, but it's whatever stringed guitar-like instrument is the fad these days. (laughs) Because I feel like there's always either like George mentioned the banjo, but like banjo, ukulele, or mandolin, like they always go in and out of style, you know, like, Like, of course, the Beatles popularized the mandolin, but like it's been used before that and after. But like sometimes it's not cool. And the banjo is cool when Steve Martin comes out with a banjo album. But like, so, you know what I mean? So that's also that's why as a destination, it's whatever the cheap, hot place in Eastern Europe for backpackers is, Um, (laughs) which always constantly changes. Uh, When I before I went before I backpacked in Europe, it was Prague. Was like the cheap, cool yeah. place, and by the time I then
2: it was Budapest. Exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> it was Budapest. Then it was Krakow, um, and I don't even know like what the, where it is now. But uh, wherever it is, it's the ukulele or whatever that the stringed instrument that's going to be popular uh, when Mumford and Sons makes another album or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> Rebecca.
2: Um, okay, I got another hot take not to be hating on any of my fellow instrumentalists here, but I'm going to do the violin. Somebody's got to. And I think the violin, I when I think of the violin, I think of Washington, D.C. I think of a lot of kind of basic bitches (laughs) who follow the rules, but they get shit done. (laughs) And there's just a lot of them.
0: (laughs) Nice. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense, because I I can... It's like the most classical of instruments, right? Like
2: you know, and they're doing it and they're at they're working every day. They're workaholics, they're at the office all day, passing laws, playing scales. It's all the same. <laughs> they're really doing it. That works. It might not be, you know, the most original, but they're getting it done.
0: Yeah, whatever it is, it's getting done. <laughs>
2: That's right.
1: All right, George. All right, for number number four, my favorite band of all time is the band. And between the five of them, they could play like 15 instruments. Now, I don't necessarily believe that. That's something that they would say. But I'm going to talk about a member of the band. His name is Garth Hudson, 83 years young, Mr. Garth Hudson. He played the French horn, the electric keyboard, the saxophone, the alto, the tenor, soprano, the baritone, the bass. But he also played this instrument that I'm going to talk about, which is the accordion. And I think the accordion is rad. Like, whatever this is, that little typewriter with a little box on it, give me more of it. So, for me, the accordion is a very specific destination in a very specific city. It is the food courts in Portland, Oregon. I don't know what this is, but I want more of it. The accordion food courts in Portland, Oregon.
0: Portland has good food courts.
1: Oh my God, it's insane. Been there a long
0: time.
2: I haven't been there in ages either. I love that. I feel like I'm getting a real sense of your musical vibe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was definitely. I'm into yeah, theater. I went
1: this last one, you're going to be like, this guy's insane. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't wait till someone does the bassoon. To do it, right? Um,
1: all right.
0: Well, I'm going to go ahead with my fourth one. Um, and I had to go with like, you know, the glamour instrument, which is guitar for me, at least. And I was thinking about like, just the aesthetic that I like as far as guitar goes and the sound that I like and some of the like guitar gods that I like, the the names I wrote down are Jimi Hendrix and Eddie Hazel, but also like Neil Young and John Fruscianti. And I, there, there's very guitar is very specific. Uh, it, it has very specific imagery to me. There's very specific imagery that I see in my brain and I, I keep coming back to the desert. It just always reminds me of the desert, mm-hmm. and like, you know, we've seen this scene a million times of a single solitary character walking t- through the desert, and every single time there's got to be some <laughs> sick guitar riff behind it. Um, and also, the desert is one of the places that, like, I I'm a person who like if I, I'm like I, I want to be in the forest and by the water, and also, but every time I've ever been in a desert, it's an incredible experience and i think it's an awesome aesthetic and then i love the desert so guitar is the desert for me
2: this one doesn't need a lot of explanation the soprano sax is las vegas
0: (laughs) nice (laughs) it's out there it is what it is
2: (laughs) it's mostly kenny g and there's some hidden people that you'll find that play it amazingly but that's so it's really you got you
0: gotta dig. Yeah, and don't talk about it after it's over <laughs> or any, That's right. anything like that.
2: <laughs> it's an experience
0: that note though that he held, like it was a long uh, he held that note. It's
2: not hard. That's not hard. <laughs> that so easy. I'm sorry. Awesome. Circular breathing, I could teach either any of you how to
3: do
0: that. Awesome. This is what I this is what I ten want 10 minutes. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> we just we just fucking re- rained on Kenny G's parade.
1: <laughs> awesome. awesome. All right, so it's me. I try to stick the landing with the last one, and I know the instrument was already mentioned before, but I'm going to talk about it in a very different way. Now, the violin was already said, but I'm from below the Mason-Dixon line, what we call the fiddle. So my last instrument is the fiddle. Now, in my travels across this great nation, I've got to meet some very, very interesting people. And one time at Talladega, Alabama, I met Charles Daniels. And who is Charlie Daniels? Only the greatest fiddle player ever. (laughs) Probably not. I just thought it was interesting that I met that dude. Anyway, that went down to Georgia. is a song I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fiddle now. This is not for everybody, and I get it, but I like it. And it entertains me, which is why the fiddle is the Tuscaloosa, Alabama of instruments. Not for everybody, but I like it. Dave.
2: <laughs> I like that tagline.
1: <laughs> oh, <Yo>, yeah. <laughs>
0: I... Yeah, we'll have to do this at another time, but I want I need to hear your the George Gordon Charlie Daniels story. I met
1: Charlie Daniels <laughs> in yeah. 19 whatever. There's gotta be more wow. than that. He was old. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, well, he was old for a while. Yeah, um he was old. but uh anyway, all right. So my next one is you were waiting for it, Rebecca. I'm doing it bassoon, I'm yes. doing it. Um again to me, it's I a little what I was mentioning before when I was saying that like I didn't. There's so much I learned about like what a bassoon could do from knowing you honestly, because like, I listened to your stuff and I'm like, I didn't know that this instrument produced sounds like this because it's not a feat. It's not featured, you know? And if you're just like, I mean, I listened to classical music as a kid, but not in a, not in an intense way that I could tell you the bassoon parts, you know? Um, And so to me, it's mysterious. It's also timeless, a timeless instrument and you need to hear it. I needed to hear it isolated to understand it. That's why as a destination, it's one of the coolest places I've ever been and that is Tikal ruins in Guatemala, <laughs> which is uh uh like literally like ancient Incan Mayan, I believe Mayan ruins in the middle of the jungle and it's fucking incredible and it's like one of those places that like is super cinematic, which is also like, I feel like your music is super cinematic and the bassoon is just like a very visual, it's it's just like very uh, provocative instrument. Um, and yeah, like Tikal is one of those places where like, you know, the mist is like coming over the mountain and like you're hearing like fucking monkeys in the background. It's like, it's, it's, it's amazing, it's amazing. So bassoon, Tikal.
2: I love that picture you just painted, let's go. <laughs>
0: I'm there. It's a little hard to get to, which is also why it's uh, bassoon. Um, A little tough to get there, but once you're there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, somebody's got to do it. I was thinking about the piano. And this one took me a minute. I kept going back and forth because I feel like there's a pretty even argument between LA and New York for the piano. And I'll tell you why. Is pianists are super workaholics. That'll do a lot on your own. They're super ambitious and driven, right? Which is why I'm like, oh, man, it's New York. But they all want to be stars. There's no opportunity really to jam with anyone else. They all want to be, like, have their own show, which is, like, why LA? Because, like, it's really, really fitting into that. And it's sparkly.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, well, then I could think of, like piano players that fit that. Uh, like Paul Schaefer is definitely L.A., cool. even though he was lived lived in New York, but like that piano style.
2: So LA. L.A., absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's bi-coastal, you know, depending on yeah. the, the artist.
1: Yeah, I like that. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, I think we did it.
0: Yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. That was so much fun, Rebecca. It was really.
2: great talking to you guys. I feel like uh, no time has passed. And yeah, it will be fun to hang out in real life.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yes. Before uh, we let you go, definitely plug something for us. Where can we find you and, and uh, all your upcoming stuff? Oh,
2: that's such a good question. What is even upcoming anymore? Is anything upcoming? Albums someday in the future. Uh, though I will be performing next, I think at Little Island, which is a new um, performance space that that park looks like on floating mushrooms um, oh, off the West Side Highway. Um, and it's free, um, everything there is gonna be free, which I think is really awesome. Although probably crazy to get tickets for, we'll see. Um, but in August, I'm playing with this amazing artist, Taishan Sori, He's like multi-instrumentalist, composer, incredible. Musician artist with like seven people playing a piece um, of his there. This should be pretty fun. August uh, 18th.
0: Sweet. Awesome. Maybe the 19th. <laughs> well, look, that's why, that's why we have uh, yeah. our wonderful producer, Mary Best. She, she tells us what, when, what dates are.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah. And I, I, I'm really happy to, to talk to you all and,
0: yeah
1: oh thanks for doing the show we, that's- yes thank you so much i'm
2: so happy i i was really disappointed about new york stuff yesterday because of eric adams and i know you're from new york dave and i feel like we're getting a Lori lightfoot like crooked cop situation happening. that's
0: exactly what I, yeah well yeah i yeah
2: not to pivot as we're ending but i was just like had a really <laughs> moment of deep depression last night and i was like wow we almost had a woman as mayor too, and we had to go and fuck that up too and because nobody voted it's like the
0: whole thing. <laughs> I know. Well, it's like, yeah, the whole thing is like it's the best turnout ever. A hundred thousand people voted out of nine million yeah. <laughs> or whatever the fuck it is. Um, but uh yeah, well, to to, to be the positive one, Please. which I don't get to do often. Um, see <laughs> the yeah.
2: George, like, we
0: did we the city council, we got a lot of great like yes. it's the mo- there are a lot of it's, wins. It's the most uh the the most women ever on city council. Um, the first time women have been the majority on city council. Um, and they're saying it's like the most progressive city council ever. And like, we love our, our council person. So like, yeah, I share that with you. Um, it's super depressing that like, after all of this in this last year, we elected a fucking cop. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really upsetting. But hopefully this awesome, amazing, progressive female led city council that we're going to have yeah. is going to help us when it comes to the terrible shit that Eric Adams is going to try to do. So I'm sure you that's are. as positive as I could be.
1: <laughs> Gotta focus I, I, on the I, win. It seemed like you struggled with it. <laughs> <laughs> there was it was in there. <laughs> it
2: was in there. George is like, no, always a, a valiant effort,
3: Dave. Know thank you for that yeah we're looking looking forward to a nice hopefully nice rest of the summer safe summer and and we wish you all the best with this upcoming performance and we're excited to see you know what new stuff is coming out for you and uh and we're behind you on this new journey that you're on congratulations um on all of that you're doing yeah thank you so much Rebecca
2: thank you so much thank you really appreciate it great talking to you
0: Yes, thank you so much. And definitely send my best to Rudd. And uh, I hope to see you guys soon. I, I think I just saw him in the yeah, back in the mirror. <laughs> um, tell him uh, I send my best and uh, def- sure. definitely hope to see you guys soon.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Rebecca. Have a good day.
0: Awesome. You Bye. Again. All right. Great. Thank you so much to Rebecca Heller. We want to say again, that was awesome. Definitely check out her website, RebeccaHeller.com and support the International Contemporary Ensemble, which of course she is a big part of. All right. Now we're going to go ahead and round out the show with last call with a few things that we are looking forward to, things we're looking out for. George, what do you got for us?
1: Three things, but all of them very quick. We already talked about soccer. Uh, Wimbledon final is also this weekend. And then the third thing, there's this new show. It's funny. You were talking about Mike White at the top and I'm going to talk about Mike White at the end. He's got a new show called the white Lotus, which premieres this Sunday on HBO. Uh, it's like a, this cast is incredible. It's Connie Britton, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, Alexandria Dadaria. I've never known how to pronounce her last name, but she's on it. Jake Lacey. Um, uh, and I watched the trailer of it earlier today. It also has Molly Shannon, one of the best it looks really, really funny, and it takes place in a uh, a uh, tropical resort. And it's about the lives of the staff and guests at a tropical re- resort in Hawaii. So, uh, I watched the trailer today, and it looks awesome. So, The White Lotus premiering this Sunday. Dave, uh,
0: I'd be in for that. I'm in for anything, Mike White. We're, we're that was off uh, recording when we were talking about that. But oh, uh, you're right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but yeah. Like I said, any I'm in for anything, Mike White, and that's that cast is incredible. Steve's um, on. Well, cup co- oh okay, yeah. awesome. Wow. Some great right? hitters. Um yeah. Well, i I'm looking forward to a couple of things you mentioned too as well. We did talk about soccer, but we didn't talk about the other final that's happening this weekend as well, which is the Copa America, which is Argentina against Brazil, which is awesome, because that's gonna be a fucking that's gonna be a knockout. Um that's what you want. Maybe, liter- maybe literally. maybe literal. Yeah, that's what uh, you want. Yeah, it's yeah, that's exactly what you want. And there's already been a lot of shit talking. So uh that's gonna be super fun. Uh also the NBA finals, you know, they're they're happening. I hope that uh it's a. Fo- I hope that it's a good series, but at least, you know, we get to see some some likable players uh potentially win, which is Chris Paul. And Devin Booker. And if the Bucks win, I think Giannis is
1: very likable.
0: And Middleton as well. So uh the only other thing is uh you don't like Middleton? Not a No, Middleton nah, Middleton's fine.
1: He's a he's a he's a number yeah. three dressed up as a number two. That's cool. Fine. Yeah, he he's
0: a he's a he's a yeah, two. You no, a- look at his numbers, it's like I was like, Oh, like, Middleton
1: made the jump. It was like, no, his number's the exact same from last year. It's fine. Yeah, he's fine.
0: Well, he's like a game to game, you know what I mean? In in one game he looks like an all-star in another no, game.
1: No, he is an all-star. He's just like when people say he made the jump. I mean, he is an all-star. He's like, he made the jump. He's figured it out. I was like, no, he's the same yeah. numbers. He's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's like Chinese food from yeah. the, the behind the glass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Serves the
0: purpose. Um uh the only other thing is uh I want to go see Zola. I, I really uh I am really excited for it. The Genixa Bravo movie, um, with Taylor page and, uh, Riley Keough. Um, it looks, it looks really good. It's based on a, a viral Twitter th- thread, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's like, I'm not alone because i was telling y'all, uh, the other day that, uh, it's like sold out, like showings on like a Tuesday are like sold out <laughs> because people are, it's like the first movie that people are excited about that wasn't like a, a fast nine. Or a,
1: it's got my guy Nicholas Braun in it. I love me some Nicholas Braun. Yes. Shout out to Nicholas Braun.
0: Yeah, it looks, I, I think it's going to be good. I actually, I re, I worked with the production designer of that movie. Shout out Katie Byron. She's a, a wonderfully uh, talented, talented person. Um, So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Looks cool. All right. Now we're going to go ahead and check in with producer Mary Bess for MB's booth, our favorite regular. What do you got for us, Mary Bess? Thank you,
3: Dave. Um, So as many may know, July is Disability Pride Month. And there is a particular issue that I want to touch on today. And that is the systemic inequality and hurdles faced by um, folks with disabilities, particularly involving air travel. Uh, Brie Scalise, a model and disability advocate, has brought attention to this systemic inequality first in May when she shared an incident where fellow advocate and wheelchair user, Gabrielle de Fiebre, and forgive me if I pronounce that name incorrectly. Gabrielle de Fiebre's wheelchair was broken by Delta Airlines. And a few weeks ago, Bree's own wheelchair was broken beyond repair by Delta Airlines, and Delta is covering the cost of a new chair. But she is avoidably in a position of difficulty and immobility until then. I mean, this uh, these chairs are lifelines for these folk, and it's just it's a problem that isn't getting enough attention. Um, so, if you want to support changes to make air travel more accessible to wheelchair users and uh, folks with disabilities. You can call your representatives. Uh, As we've mentioned before, the U.S. Capitol switchboard number is 202-224-3121. And you can call them in support of the Air Carrier Access Amendments Act of 2021 which will strengthen ACAA enforcement by requiring DOT to levy civil penalties for violations and refer complaints to the Department of Justice for possible further enforcement and establishing of a private right of action. It will ensure new airplanes are designed to accommodate the needs of people with disabilities by requiring airlines to meet defined accessibility standards, which do not exist right now, so this is important. These standards will address safe and effective boarding and deplaning, visually accessible announcements, seating accommodations, lavatories, and better stowage options for assistive devices. It will require the removal of access barriers on existing airplanes to the extent that it is readily achievable, easily accomplishable, and may be done without much difficulty or expense. And it will improve the overall safety of air travel for passengers with disabilities. This is a big act. Again, you can call your representatives, talk to your friends, research the Air Carrier Access Amendments Act of 2021, um, which is huge. And you can also support um, groups like All Wheels Up at allwheelsup.org. Um, their handle is All Wheels Up INC. And it's an organization that crash tests wheelchairs and tie downs for use on airplanes. Uh, you can support them financially. You can support um, wheelchair users and folks with disabilities, especially this month and all the time, um, by just being aware. Um, I will say it's something that I personally struggle to keep in the front of my mind um, as a privileged person who does not deal with a daily disability. Um, And I think it's really, really important. It's something that we don't talk about enough. And these people deserve so much more than they're getting. Um, So let's be better advocates. Um, Please stay tuned in to, to these issues and let's do what we can to support this work.
0: Thank you very much, Mary Bess, for all of that. You're welcome. All right, we're gonna go ahead and round out this show, George. Give our listeners something to be excited about. What do we got going on on
1: next show? Thank you, Dave. Our next show, we're gonna have comedian and documentarian Jessica Watkins, one of my old pals from the stand-up world. I've known her for like a couple, like quite a few years. It's like like a decade plus. Anyway, on her show, we're gonna be talking about country music artists. And pizza toppings. So it's going to be July 23rd. So look out for that show.
0: Awesome. Well, that's going to do it for us uh, here at Know Your Roles. I want to go ahead and thank you, all of our listeners. Thank you to George. Thank you to Mary Best. Thank you to Amanda Zeller and Alan Tech Kid, Nate88, and Kazo Oslo. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Know Your Roles wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, take care and be safe.
1: And now, because we have this Delta variant, I'm going to bring back. Wear your mask over your fucking nose, everybody. Thank you.
0: All right, we're out. You know the road on the rough
1: stack. You know the road on the
0: rough stack. You know the
3: road on the rough stack.